Say that podcast are your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Yay, let's go. Really? That's all. Uh, th- yes. Okay. Let well. us, let's go. We're going to ride that enthusiasm while it's there. Also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. I want to go to there. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. That's the happiest I've ever heard Glenn this close to Christmas. That's totally true. It's, it's totally true. It will probably wear off in the next five minutes or so, but let's just ride it out for as long Definitely. as it lasts. <laughs> yes, we are, we are coming straight from the Mission USA Bridge Christmas party, and Glenn is all huffed up on cheesecake Yeah, one of our deacons made. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let me tell you what. Because it was we, good, too. That's right. We have deacons who have served jail time, but now have wonderful lives that involve baking skills. Uh-huh. Impressive. You, you know, for real, he learned to make that cheesecake in a culinary class when he was locked up. Yep. Yeah. So, that's actually a pretty big thing around here. People don't know. That's uh, the job training. People locked up and culinary school is one of the big ones. Yeah. yeah that that was very serious cheesecake. Yeah, there was no file in it or anything. That, well, that's true. Just deliciousness. Yeah. But that's not the only thing that someone has made for your friends on the Say That podcast this Ooh. week. Because I have to declare a Saturday morning emergency. Emergency. Wow. That's right. Friend of the show. Superfan Todd Warren mm. created something truly majestic. Yes, he did. For your friends to say that podcast. <laughs> and that is a video of one of our uh, Christmas time emergencies from a couple episodes ago. We were discussing the reindeer jerky. Yeah. Uh, that audio set over scenes from classic claymation Christmas yes. specials. Yes. yes. It is amazing it is the coolest thing i have ever seen in my life <laughs> yes if you're interested if you haven't seen it you're interested in seeing it, you can check out uh our facebook page or it's on youtube we'll put a link here in the episode description but um it's incredible it's it is the coolest thing i my eyeballs have ever taken it <laughs> yeah and it's also worth pointing out as a friend of the show james uh, mentioned on facebook i think for a critical number of people who've never met us you know when you've never met someone but you listen to an audio program you kind of but in your mind, here's what they look like. You kind of picture that. Right. I think now they're just going to be picturing us as elves <laughs> and snowmen yeah. and reindeer. You know, yeah. that's not that's pretty much right on. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It, the worrying thing is it's not that far off. The, the elf with the flippy hair is Jed. I, yeah, I'm looking yeah. at Jed now, but I'm thinking about the elf with the flippy hair. <laughs> yeah, so even you're doing it. You know what Jed looks I like. I know what he looks like. He's still the elf is more real to me now. <laughs> it's it's a fair assessment. Yeah. Yeah, the elf well, is more real to me now. It's quite a statement. Lee, go ahead. <laughs> the the impressive thing to me was when when he when Todd first showed it to me. Um, you know, I'm wondering who's he going to cast. You know, for each of for each That's of us, always a worry. Right. And immediately, uh, the if you're familiar at all with the 1964 Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, the character Yukon Cornelius was yes. uh, was the personification of Matt King's voice. Yeah. Sure, and sure. it was just sheer wonderness. I mean, total perfection. The yeah. beard was right on. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's just... my dream to retire to the mountains <laughs> yeah. and just live amongst the snowflakes and no one else. So I think that right. works. Yeah, there you go. It's much better than a couple of years ago in front of the show. Noel um, made a Photoshop of all of us as Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yes, right. She was yes, listening yeah. on like the one and a half speed to yeah. part of it, and. uh I was chosen to be the lady chipmunk. Yeah. <laughs> and ever since then, I, I've asked that we not in, we not really put too much thought into why we get assigned certain roles. Right. Yeah. 
Well, this uh, let me tell you what we have the best fans. It's no true doubt. of any podcast ever in the history of podcast. That's yeah. why we point out that we only have super fans. That's right. There's no casual listener to say that podcast. They, if you listen to it, apparently you just go crazy for yes. how good this podcast is, and no one can blame you. Well, it's the correct uh, assessment. Now, here's what I'm saying, fellas. Now, I'm going to put this out there. And yeah. if you don't like it, you know, you send it right back. Okay. I'm just going to run this up the flagpole to see if anybody salutes it. Okay. Okay. Sure. Drop in the well, see if it makes a sound. I'm going to put this on the back porch to see if the cat licks it up. Now, okay. here's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Is, Anybody uh, else? <laughs> going once, going twice. <laughs> so here's, here's what I'm saying is we got super fans, right? Indeed. Yeah. And I think we're on the verge of having what they call in media circles a cult following. Ooh, that yeah. sounds wow. exciting. Like in media circles, that is a uh, nice way to say unpopular, which is right. correct. <laughs> right. Okay, so here's what I'm saying. Should, should we then go ahead and form a cult? Oh, yeah, that's a right? great idea. <laughs> no, because no, I, it isn't. Well, first of all, I hear like that's where all the money is. Yeah. Dude, Blue Oyster Cult made a lot of a money. A lot of money. They had the, okay, the cowbell and everything. I think we're all talking about different things. Yeah. But here's what... The, Did Blue Oyster Cult make a lot of money? At the time. Well, for the one, there was like eight guys in that band. I think, <laughs> I, I think Jed's bought into the Blue Oyster Cult behind the music hype. Well, I've you know. bought into the cult of Blue Oyster Cult. That's right. <laughs> well, they, they got the cowbell. They're doing the yeah. whole... Well, okay. Now, here's what I'm saying. Uh, we can make a ton of loot doing yes. this. Uh, you you can have a compound. I understand that's the main thing that cults do. That's part yeah, of it. it. Yeah. yeah, they buy well, a it's big not the main, compound. It's, it's the part where the main thing happens, which we probably don't want to engage in. Yeah, but there's a few problems I have. There's a lot of problems. I mean, if we're going to go into this. <laughs> which we shouldn't. For, first of all, I don't really want to live on a compound. Sure, sure. I'd like to be uh, a little more isolated. Sure. Uh, most of the compounds are quite isolated. Good news. Uh, if I, well, you know, I mean, like isolated from the weirdos, you know, right. that are on the compound with me. So that's that's You're already bad mouthing the cult members. Right. <laughs> but here's the other thing is like when you have a cult, the cult leader, which would be me. Sure. I, I don't know any other way of working that out. You just uh, want you just want to wear robes. I would love to wear a robe. That's a plus side. But the the problem I have with being a, a, a cult leader is like whatever because you have to be like the dear leader or like uh you know what I mean, like the Maharaja sure, or whatever the name is of it. If you're the guy, you pick your own title. That's part of the upside. Yeah, the Grand Poobah, whatever. Hegemon. That that all of these things. If you're one of that, then whatever you say is the right thing. You know, like every word you speak is like truth. Right. Clearly. Sure. That's a lot of pressure for a guy like me because I say a lot of wrong things. Well, sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Re the cult conversation we're in right now. Like if, you know, like I I because I put a lot out there just to see what you know, see how you know what happens. Yeah, for totally. example, let's start a cult. Well, you know, it's it, it. There's a lot of pluses and minuses. I think it's worth no. going over because our 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 people may demand that we form a cult. For all I know, I Absolutely. don't think that's how cults work. I it, I have a couple of questions off of this. One is, and this is going to be this is going to be important for Glenn. I think going forward, does Amazon Prime deliver to the compound? Yes, that's yeah, a if, really important that's, question. That's a that's a must. Like, can you get diet cheer wine? In the compound. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we need to be well supplied. 
That for yeah. sure. But I but mean, not just weird stuff. We need to have like actual, you know, good stuff that that we like and we need to have access to the Amazon Prime. Yes. Right? That's, and so yeah. that's one of those things. Another thing is is it possible to insist that all the members of the cult have to dress up as one of the characters from the YouTube video, which actually is a cult classic? See, I worry that, okay, now there's a lot of layers of cult going on. Right. This is not what cult classic means. This right. is not what cult following means. Having a cult is its own separate thing that we shouldn't do. Hey, 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 don't fear the reaper. Don't fear the reaper. Really? Are you saying there's no cosplay in cults, Matt? I, th- I think they're all cosplay, and that's one of the many th- reasons I think we shouldn't get involved in <laughs> well, this. But we're busy. It's too committed to the cosplay. Uh, this is what I'm saying is we're listing out our demands here, Matthew. No, we uh, uh, federal agencies listening. We are not a cult, and we have no demands. <laughs> we don't want to compound. We're not threatening Amazon. Well, we have it's to put up fun. barricades. I know no. that. Because we're going to get raided at It's very point. French of you, Glenn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying electric fence. That's right. I That's think, good thinking, Matt. I think Glenn just wants to wear a robe and sing. <laughs> and you don't need a compound for that. Well, that's true. I mean, uh, you know, we. I think we'd be pretty good at collecting doomsday supplies. Well, sure, absolutely. Because you got to prepare for the mothership to come and take us off. I, I now I feel like we've wandered theologically. Well, you know, I yeah. I mean, there, there. If we look at, I the don't book- want to do an advice podcast all about people trying to please the uh, the incipient alien overlords. Have we have, well, have we thought of rereading the Book of Revelations to make sure there's not a mothership in it? That's all I'm asking. I saw I saw a documentary that was called something about the Crystal Skull, uh-huh. and there was there was definitely a mothership in that. There one. you go. Yeah, we're now trying to live our lives like the worst Indiana Jones movie. I find most yep. Indiana Jones movies to be basically theologically sound. Now, look, I'm I'm well, intrigued. There was an arc in that one. There you go. But at the same time, I'm skeptical. Mm. So Thank I mean, you, a voice of sanity. Yes. What are we talking in terms of dietary restrictions? Oh, right. Lord. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, you, this can't be like a you know like a, a you know like a lettuce only thing. Because I got to be honest, I like Taco Bell for real. I'm not really prepared to give that up for the cult, right? Okay. Uh, well, if that's what it's got to be, then let's just forget this whole cult business. Yes, exactly. Because uh, you let's know, do I, that. I have to have a, every now and then a gordita, <laughs> which I think is Spanish for delicious, healthy food. Yes, yep, it that's is. That's what that means. That's something like that. <laughs> well, look, I'm just I'm glad the cult idea unraveled. I didn't right. think Taco Bell would be what did it. Hey, because we got pretty deep in that conversation before things fell apart. Well, uh, we must now. If there's a way to do like a Taco Bell related cult, yeah, absolutely, that would be great. Yes, the Church of Cheese. Yeah, I don't think people who are way into Taco Bell are motivated enough. To build an alternative yeah, society. Yeah, kind of bloated and logy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not it's not food you eat to then get on the march and do something. Yeah. Although 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 fourth meal does seem like an actual ceremony or ritual, mm. it does, and it gives yeah. me a new church growth idea. Oh, church supreme! Oh, all the things you love about wow. church plus sour, sour cream. cream and diced tomatoes. <laughs> that is a winner. <laughs> You're saying regular church? Yeah, but you we give you a Deep tortilla. Fry. Yeah, that's right. And we put, we loaded up. Yeah, that's with right. Extra bits. Yes. Yep. 
Boom, church supreme. Look, here's what I'm saying. You, wanna, you got church, no. but then you also have a tortilla. It's a church wrap lo- supreme. Loaded down with the uh, things. Dude, if you give me a 45-minute Bible lecture, I don't know how interested I am. Right. Man. You give me a 45-minute Bible lecture plus a huge loaded burrito, uh-huh. ah. you know what? I'm thinking about it. Well, for the length of time it takes you to eat it. I will listen. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. bigger the burrito, the more church and time you've got. That's right. Okay. You, you, I mean, you need to you kick it into high gear. Absolutely. When the, when the burrito runs out, maybe also my interest. So you got to. <laughs> sure. You got to. You know. Well, I look, this, this started out as one of our uh, classic unhinged rants. Right. But I think we pulled it around to something. Okay. I think we did a great job of thanking our super fans. Yeah, on this <laughs> the people who put so much effort <laughs> into creating something for us. We really, we really focused on that, yeah. which is important. But here's the thing: I think Jed is pitching, which I, I actually think is good. But I, I, I think slash and concerned that the future of the church, like the future of so many things in the, in, the, in America, lay in corporate partnership. Okay. Mm. So I'm talking about church potle. Ah, because you is. say, well, we make our own breeze in house. Where's the profit margin on that? Right, right. We partner with Chipotle. Yes, at a corporate level. Yeah, because they make the big burritos. Yeah, yeah, they do. yeah, yeah. it's going to take you twenty yeah. minutes mm-hmm. to get through that Chipotle burrito if it's yeah. packed in just right. Yeah, and I think yeah. we can sneak in a lot about the Book of Ezekiel in those twenty minutes. Mm. Yeah, well, you got uh, the corporate sponsorship. Absolutely. So that that helps with the old bottom line. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I think we, I think we ought to do that. Yeah, yeah. Like everybody, like we, we did work out a deal with uh, Taco Bell. Sure. Everybody who listens, free Taco Bell. Yeah, I like that. Like wow. I don't know how we know how to count them, but you yeah. Know. Normally, uh, po- podcast uh, sponsorships are like online things. You can right. put in the promo code. It's, it doesn't really work to just go up to the counter. Is there <laughs> a now? Do, I don't know the tech. I'm in that cult. I'd like a taco, please. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the technicals, so don't shoot this down. Is there a way for like nacho cheese to come out of an actual iPhone? Well, once, Ooh. like if it could dispense it. See what I mean? Yeah. You listen to the podcast, and cheese shoots out your phone. Look, we all know how tech <laughs> journalists are. They want everything to be paradigm shifting and yeah. game changing and whatnot. And they said that about the iPhone. I don't buy it. It's still a phone. Right. But if you give me a device that can dispense nacho cheese anytime, anywhere I need it, that's a game-changing technology. That's right. Cheese on demand. Yes. Yep. Cheese XR. That's right. <laughs> Facial <go>. recognition, <laughs> cheese dispensing. And well, we went, uh, we started with thankfulness. Yep. Then we went on an unhinged rant. Then we, for a minute there, we, we pulled it back in. Yeah. And then the w- wheels really fall off that wagon. We, we almost formed a cult. Yeah. yeah. I said in a very brick almost killed a guy kind of way. <laughs> yeah. And with all of that said, I declare emergency off. Mm. <laughs> Jed's just thinking about Taco Bell. Yeah. yeah, I really am. We do definitely want to thank Todd. We want you to yes. check out the video. It is very cool. We are very thankful to him for making a thing. Now, you may not have those kind of uh, editing skills. You may not have the the twisted, brilliant imagination to think. My favorite podcast plus 60s claymation. But if you have but $8 a month, you can achieve elite superfan status as well. Oh, yeah. That's by signing up for Bridgebox. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. It's sermons, songs, Bible studies, all sorts of good stuff to fuel your walk. And it goes to support what we do up here in Chicago and what Lee does with the youth down there in Tennessee as well. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. All right. 
to jump to our first question here. It comes in anonymously. If you have all the way to the end, I give you some ways to get touch this. First question comes in and it says, I went to my new church's partnership class this weekend, and I agreed with all their theology and stuff, but I am unsure I agree with the idea of partnership at a church. I may be misunderstanding, but it seems like the reason they want me to become a partner is so that I am less likely to leave and find another church. Also, the process to become a partner seems excessive to me. You got to fill out an application, interview with a church leader, and sign a covenant. I'm wondering if I'm being too pessimistic of a view on this. And I will uh, clear up for the listeners because it took me quite a couple to reach this email. Partnership is just the word they use for membership now. So just so we're all right. on the same. But they, but they definitely want you to commit to not leaving. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> I have a feeling that's going to come up quite a few times. And Lee... You are a pastor of a church that actually does not have membership, so why don't you start us off right. here? Uh, you're reading it right. Um, you're reading it spot on. That's exactly what's going on here. Um, they, they they want you to not leave, and they, they want you to sign your name to that. Yay. And they're hoping that that is going to be the thing that's going to really nail that down. As a side note, I like the idea of a store called Theology and Stuff, so thanks for that little Absolutely. nugget in the question. Um, but I, what I would say about this is a, a few things. One... Um, there is no defense in the New Testament at all for for the concept of church membership, um, the way that modern churches do that. There there is no verse. There is no there there is no way to make that work. Um, it's not the way churches worked at the time that the New Testament was being written. You uh, a church can do it if they want to, but it's 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 not a thing in the scriptures. Um, as Matt said, our church does not do that, uh, mainly because. You know, at a certain point in our history, we had something kind of like church membership, and it um, it doesn't do anything. Um, it, it's it's one of those things where it, you think you're going to get something out of it, and you really don't. Um, they they you're exactly right. They're hoping that by the strength of this of you signing your name to this thing or taking a class or whatever, that that's going to be the thing that really makes you devoted to this body and really makes you committed. And all of that kind of stuff. Um, as a pastor, I can tell you, um, our view is that's not the way to do it. That's not the way to create a sense of community, a sense of belonging, and stuff like that. the 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 way we try to do that is uh, the pastors, the folks that are in ministry. We want to serve you, the people who come. We want to meet your needs. We want to take care of you. We want to be the ones who are devoted to you. That's our job. Our job is to be is to make a covenant to serve the Lord. To our, our job is to be the ones that are devoted to you to meeting your needs. And our hope is that the Lord is going to bring the right people that He wants to be in this body and to be in this community, and that that we're going to grow and learn how to take care of each other and learn how to meet each other's needs together. The thing that we've always said is. Whether or not you write them down in a directory or if you got people to sign their names or whatever, that wouldn't tell you who the heartbeat of the church is. If you want to know who's really part of this, who's really, who's really committed to it, who's really doing it, then you get in the middle of, uh, of needs. You, you get in the middle of serving and meeting needs, and then you look to your left and your right, and you see who's with you down in those trenches. That's who the church is. That's who the, that's the people who are committed to this thing, who are in a place where they are, you know, healthy enough and mature enough. Sometimes you have folks in your church who are just kind of beaten up and wounded and they come in the doors like a mash unit and they just need somebody to love on them, take care of them for a while. And they're part of it too. But at a certain point when people get that, when they, they get healthy and they get to a place where they're ready to serve the Lord, you look to your left and your right in the middle of meeting needs 
That's the body of Christ. Those are the people that are committed to this thing. And it's not because they wrote their name down. It's not because they went through a 12-week class and then they promised they would do this or that. We do actually have a church in our area that that asks people to make certain like promises. And uh, they got a list of them. And you got to keep these things. And nobody does them. It's, it's a totally false thing. And I think everybody knows that. But their hope is that if I say something, then I'll be less likely to leave. The truth is what the pastors need to be doing is making sure that they're making it their goal to serve you, to meet your needs, to take care of you, and to foster the kind of community that you need to make it through your week and to make it through your life. That's their job. And then the rest of that, to, to whatever degree, degree the Lord draws people together and leads you to, to, to lend a helping hand in that, that's, that's where you really form a connection and, and, and get into that kind of devotion and stuff like that. But, but signing your name down to a piece of paper, going through a class, that's not going to do it. But that is what they want. That's a really great point. It's, it's, it's an excellent place to start off here. Um, obviously, as we go around this, we're going to be talking in some generalities. Um, that's just the nature of us not having been to your church. But you're listening to four guys who have dealt with a lot of churches over the years and have a lot of experience on some of these trends. But, Jed, let's, um, we can also talk about the fact that there are some there, church governance is a thing. Sure. As Lee points out, there's no one model for it in the Bible. Um, there's actually not a lot in the Bible about how first century churches ran. Sure. And the stuff that's in there is roundly ignored for it is deeply inconvenient. Yep. Um, but there are things like certain denominations where you have to be a member to have a, a vote on budget yep. items or yep. be involved in certain ways. And that's fine. We're not, sure. we're not pooing any of that necessarily, but it's, this is a little different than that. Sure. And in what ways is that? Well, at the end of the day, I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to skip an important step. In other words, if we want to be really, really understanding, I think we can be understanding about the idea of, we really want people to come and we really want them to stay and we really don't want them to just be casually involved. We want them to really be integrated into the life of the church. That's fine. Those are those are good desires. We we celebrate those. I think the and and the funny thing is none of those have to do with a model of church governance at all actually. Mm-hmm. You know, those are really independent of that. We want people to come, want them to stay, want them to be deeply involved and engaged. Great. Again, doesn't uh, church, uh, I think polity may be another term for that. Um, I could be wrong. Is that the right word? Yeah. 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 It just, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with it. But I think we are, the reason why we're doing this whole covenant thing and a lot of this fairly weird stuff is we're, we're leaving out a step. And that step is we have to be good to one another for this to work. Right. Yep. So I'll give you an example of what I mean. I was years ago, I was at a marriage, uh, a marriage, I was at a wedding and uh, two friends of mine were getting married and very, very conservative Christians. And um, the, the the guy who's officiating the wedding, he, he gets up, and he's going to give the homily. And I think at least a dozen times he, he uses the phrase, divorce is not an option for this marriage. And here's the the fairly tragically funny thing. Of course it is. Divorce is an option for every marriage. That's how marriage and divorce works. That's that's why we have that word. You can't get super married. Yeah, there's no such thing as that. You got married, you can get unmarried. Um, the, the thing that prevents divorce, in a sense, is not bold declarations that will never get divorced. It's figuring out how do we good to each other in the context of a marriage, day in and day out, no matter what. That's that's how we have a long-lasting marriage. Okay, well, it's a similar thing here. It's kind of the church equivalent of declaring, we will not be casual attendees who just leave on a whim. 
all right, I appreciate the bold assertion. You can say that all you want. That doesn't change the fact people can still up and leave. They they have yep. that prerogative. The thing that prevents that is being good to them. The thing that presents that that prevents that is pastoring them well and effectively. It doesn't guarantee they never leave. There's plenty of people, there's plenty of marriages where people were were being as good to one another as they knew how, and things just did not work out. But if we want to give things the the best chance that we can, that's about working to serve the people under our purview. That's about working to serve the people at that church and to love them and to meet their needs, to pastor them, to provide them with pastoral care. That doesn't guarantee that they never leave. I think there are probably plenty of people out there who have been pastored very well and for whatever reason they decided to move on, but that's the the best thing that we can do and that's also what pastors are called to do. That's the right. the calling that's on them from the Lord. So again, I think if we want to be understanding about all of this, it's about saying the desire to have people be there and to be there consistently and to be there in a non-casual way is a fine desire. But the missing ingredient here is not some sort of bizarre contract. The missing ingredient is figuring out how to serve these people effectively, how to love them deeply and consistently and well. I think in the main, if you do that, you're going to find very few people want to do that casually and just move on. Absolutely right. I think that's a really good next level to go to on this. And Glenn, I, I think one of the other things that uh, must be uh, acknowledged here, and you and I are actually having a conversation with somebody about this at the bridge not long ago, um, there's a lot of ideas that churches and pastors particularly get that are weird. Yeah. But we have to have a little understanding for how one comes to glom on to a weird idea. Yeah. What role does that play in this whole church partnership situation? Yeah, there yeah, there's a there's a certain amount of desperation out there, a certain amount of insecurity out there. And um people are leaving. Why could that be? Don't say us. The right. answer is not us. That's right. I mean in in the world of of uh wrong and heretical and evil and bad ideas, this is more of a not great idea. You know, this is this mm-hmm. is not a full on uh, creeping evil kind of thing, but as as these other fellows are suggesting, this is an act of desperation. This is not. This is what you do when. I, I mean, in other words, if you have a really, 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 really good church and you're you're really good at it and you feel good about it and the people in it love it, you you your attitude would be, hey, look, uh, come in, give it a char- a try. I think you'll love it. Uh, if not, well, God bless you. I'm, maybe you'll find out someplace else that'd be more to your liking. But you right. know, man, I really, I'd really urge you to give us a shot because I think you, I think it'd bless you. If if a person comes to you in in that type of situation, says, "I'm just looking for something slightly different," you say, "God bless you. I hope yeah. you find it. The, maybe tell me where, more what you're looking for. I'll help you do that." Um. But if you are insecure about how you are as a church, and I don't mean just the pastor, I mean the whole you know church leadership, if if they feel like they don't have something good to offer, that's when you start talking about, hey, you got to stick with this, man. <laughs> well, and I think part of that mentality is is if you stuck with it, you would like it, mm-hmm. and if you stuck with it, it would be better. In other words. Part of the dynamic here is 
churches try to attract people, and then people come, and those people are like cool and nice, and they're like fun to hang out with, and they put money in the plate, and maybe they volunteer with the kids and whatever, whatever. And then that person says, well, I haven't been fed in a couple of years, so I'm out. I'm going to go somewhere else. And then yeah. they do, and everybody else is like, well, why is Billy leaving? Well, because he didn't get fed. Well, I'm not getting fed, but I'm I'm just putting up with it. Should I should I be putting up with it? Is, are all the cool people leaving? I, where's Billy going? And then you know, so it's this idea of you you're you're worried about a stampede mm-hmm. of of people leaving. Uh, this is not the solution to that, as these other fellows have said. It's about feeding people. But I think part of the reason why we struggle with reading these kind of situations because that's part of what i'm getting out of this question is i you know how do i take this Mm -hmm. it's hard to assume jealousy as a thing when you're dealing with a again not just a pastor but a church itself a church leadership church culture uh but we go into many churches where the level of jealousy and insecurity is off the charts. I mean, it's coming mm. off of everybody in waves, and they're freaked out about it. Absolutely, and it's, it's one of those things where it's it's a little hard to pin down. It's funny to people because it's not necessarily jealousy in the way you would think of it. Right. Of, you know, well, I this church wants to, at church's building, or have that as many people at that church. Right. It's a weird kind of free-floating just... yeah. We feel bad, uh-huh. and that manifests in kind of 360-degree jealousy. That's ex- Yeah, that's exactly right. It's it's just—and uh, it's the kind of thing for a lot of churches where it gets in their head, and it just builds and builds and builds. There's not mm-hmm. necessarily yeah. something feeding it. It's just a feedback loop that just gins up more and more. Uh, and uh, we, as, as parachurch people, deal with that all the time. We were just talking with uh, one of our unbelievably amazing volunteers that helps us out at the bridge and also at the jailhouse. He was talking about he'd started a Bible study. Uh, and he, had, he had been in a, a large membership church. He started a Bible study, and it was great. And people just loved this Bible study and come over to the house and eat the food and look at the Bible and just like, and it's just growing. People are super, and the church brought him in like, hey, uh, this looks like you're starting your own church unauthorized Bible study. <laughs> and there was no thought in this brother's mind about starting a church, maybe until he heard that. But, Hello. you know, there was no thought <laughs> in his mind that his his statement is, are you talking about the thing I'm doing at my house? Are you trying to tell me what you want me to do in my house? You know, it's just this, the absurdity of your, your jealousy has gotten yourself in a position where you don't even realize how you can't talk to people about what they do with their own free time. Uh, but I think it's important to, to be able to read that and and draw lines and, and recognize a church that is that insecure is not going to be healthy, uh, and recognizing if you have a lot to offer, you don't get into this mindset. Absolutely right. I think, and we're going to talk about a related thing in one of our later questions, but uh, one of the pieces of advice on this I, I would give to close out all this really good stuff these guys giving you is, this is one of those things, exactly what Glenn was saying with, you know, churches trying stuff and there's a lot. So in the business world, if you if you work a kind of office job, you may be familiar with the idea of best practices. Mm-hmm. The problem with a lot of church best practices is that they're real dumb and bad. Right. But they're still the best practices because if you go to a conference or you read a book, it's it's what you see. And this is kind of one of those things. Yeah, that, I, I'm glad you're pointing that because that that's a lot of what happens is you might have a church that's that's fairly okay on yeah. these things, but they're borrowing an idea from a church that that has these issues. 
and they think it's smart without realizing how it reads. Yeah, it's one of those things of we got people leaving. We don't like that, which we can all empathize with that. And we're we're out of ideas. We paid the money to go to the premier church growth conference in the world. They said this doesn't sound right to us, but what do we know? We're going to try it. And then you got something to add here? Yeah, just kind of uh, when Glenn was talking, I, I thought of this really interesting moment in John chapter 3 where uh, John the Baptist's disciples come to him and say, you know, that guy you baptized, meaning Jesus, well, uh, he's baptizing more people than you now, and everybody's going over to him. So aren't you jealous about that? <laughs> and John the Baptist says, I already told you I'm not the Christ. And then he says this amazing thing that no pastor believes, um, which is, he says, a man can receive only what is given to him from heaven. And no pastor believes that. <laughs> they believe, no, 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 I'm going to do whatever it takes to get whatever so-and-so you know, has, or I'm going to feel bad about that other thing. Um, and, and what John the Baptist followed that up with was, I'm the bridegroom's friend. When people go to the, when the bride goes to the bridegroom, that's my joy. You know, if if we can get rid of the jealousy and the insecurity, then you can have an open hand as gla- exactly as Glenn is describing, and you can just say, oh, you're looking for something different? Cool. I hope and pray that you find that. Mm-hmm. Then you can also look at other churches in your town, and you can say, I'm praying for that brother, and I hope his ministry is rich and deep and good, because he's serving some people over there. So I hope he's doing it right. And so if we could have this attitude that John the Baptist had, which is right there in that book we all say we love so much then we would be able to have this open hand and and people we could look at it as it's you know people moving around to different churches that's not necessarily a bad thing in itself the question is are their needs being met yeah. cuz that's the whole point yeah. of being a pastor is serving someone and meeting their spiritual needs absolutely right and i i think lee's uh, exactly right on on that of and i think there's some stuff where someone who is in charge of an organization might not think of uh, what they're doing in terms of violating that, in terms of not being that. So, uh, an important skill as you're if you're looking for churches and you kind of navigate uh, Christian stuff is figuring out from people how married are you to this nonsense? Because mm-hmm. everybody's got nonsense they're trying. That's that's half the job. We're all trying stuff. There's a lot of like. So if you, as Glenn is pointing out, what what you've told us here in the question is not necessarily an indication of this is not a good church. You need to be, you need to flee, which is advice we give quite often. Cause there are many churches. That, if as our friend telling us the story, the pastor sends a spy to your home Bible study right. to report back to them and then calls you into your office, their office to admonish you for Bible studying. Well, that's a sign you have to go, but this is not necessarily that one of the things you need to suss out and have a conversation with a pastor or member of the membership board or partnership board, or whatever it is, why are we doing this again? Just what do you got? And and you you know what the uh, acceptable answer for you is on that. There may be some lines lines of, you know, yeah, we we vote on initiatives and the budget. We think it's important to, you know, have a whole thing. That's that's whatever it is. Or maybe you make a certain amount of, you know, we're trying it. What what happens if I don't sign the thing? Is a great question. Um. The answer, hopefully, is, well, you know, then there may be some things you're not, you know, we might have a, a partners only meeting or something every once in a while. But, you know, we're not I'm not going to not talk to you anymore. If you didn't sign the thing. It's just, you know, it's a different thing. So there's some things to be sussed out on here 
that uh, this is, as we started off with Lee kind of talking about, there's no one roadmap for how to do this in, in the Bible, meaning we can't always point to what somebody's doing and saying that is contrary right. to scripture. It's just not in there. Mm-hmm. So there's some middle ground. And a lot of navigating middle ground is about asking good questions, engaging feedback. And if you want some some help on what those questions might be, feel free to write into us and we will surely help you out with that. And moving to our second question here, it comes in anonymously and it says, I'm new to Christianity and I don't really know where to start. Sometimes I feel like I won't fit in. Sometimes I wonder if I'm even able to be a Christian, what do I do? It's a great question. And Jed, where do we start off? Well, we're delighted that uh, you're thinking about this stuff and we're delighted that you'd um, care what we think about it. So uh, we think you're awesome. Uh, I think the first thing that's worth noting is nobody feels like they fit in when they're new to something. And that's not limited to spiritual stuff. That's everything. Um, it's almost January, which means a bunch of people are going to be going to the gym here pretty soon. None of them are going to feel like they fit in at all. That's just how that works. Uh, but I think we need to be clear that being new and being a bad fit are not the same thing at all. There may be in all kinds of environments, there are things that would be a bad fit. That, that is true, but newness is not on that list. Um, I think the thing that we need to look at is Practically speaking, how do we get past that sense of being on the new and just kind of into the motion of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to to live out that life? I know these other brothers are going to have a lot of good advice on that. I'd offer a couple of quick things. The first is, uh, and this just comes from my own personal life, if you're anything like me, and I pray you're not, but if you're anything like me, I think finding a way to do something practical to serve is one of the key things you can do to feel like you uh, fit in and you belong. That might be something pretty humble, like moving chairs or pushing a broom or setting up the coffee machine. That's fine. I think maybe making the church tortillas, <laughs> making the church tortillas for church supreme. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, it's, I feel a lot less awkward in new situations if I have a defined role. Um, and I and something yeah, to do, really something helps. to do. Exactly. And most churches are very hungry for people who are willing to do something, particularly if it's something fairly humble, like moving chairs, making the church supreme tortillas, helping with the kids ministry, what, whatever that is. I think that helps a lot. I think finding a chance to just hang out with other people that are also trying to pursue the Lord is a really good thing. The Bible word for that is fellowship. Um, but yeah. that doesn't have to mean that you're spending all that time studying the Bible or singing praise songs. A big part of that should just be hanging out, building yeah. social relationships with other people that are also on this Jesus thing. It's super, super important. Will it involve upfront a bit of the old, uh, relational and social awkwardness? Yeah, but you're already experiencing some of that anyway, by, by jumping into the water. So you might as well embrace it a bit more and push through and get to where you got some good Christian friends. That'll help you out a ton. The one more thing I would offer, and this is an advantage actually of a local church specifically, is a lot of churches offer, they often refer to them as new member classes, but it's basically um, kind of intro sessions for people who are totally on the new. Maybe they've never done this Christian thing before. Maybe they've got a lot of questions. Not all churches do, but a lot of them do. And we would love to help you find a church in your area that does. So if this is your situation or similar to your situation, drop us a message, drop us an email. We'd love to help you find people in your area that have that kind of intro class for people that are brand new to Christianity. It helps a lot. It's a good environment to be in where you don't have to be embarrassed about asking dumb questions, but we can take everything from zero and figure this thing out. But the key thing is we're proud of you for taking the initiative to investigate Mm. your spiritual life, to take some steps in that. We are confident 
It's worth it. It's going to bring good stuff in your life that God is going to meet you way more than halfway on all of this. So keep going. Absolutely right. I think that's a fantastic place to start this off. And Glenn, let me go to you here because um, as as Jed points out, kind of not fitting in is a sucky feeling. I mean, he certainly um, empathize with that. We've all been there. There's an interesting thing you pointed out there of the kind of the pushing through the, the social, social awkward phase. If you think of, you know, you're at a gathering, a holiday party, whatever, and you don't know too many people, so you're sitting in the corner feeling awkward. You're, as Jed points out, I think it's a very smart point, you're already feeling awkward. Mm. The only way to guarantee you don't ever have feelings that aren't awkward is to stay right here feeling awkward. Right. You can go try to do the, hey, what's your name, or talk to the group, and you're going to, that will be awkward. But on the other side of that is not awkward. Right. So I say all that as a setup, say there's an idea of, well, I don't fit in, so what I should do is pretend to be what I think church people want me to be. The problem with that is you might just kind of get stuck in pretending, pretend acting, which will result in you not feeling like you fit in. Right. Because what you feel like is, well, they only like me because I'm pretending to be this thing. How do we engage some authenticity in this situation? Well, I I think you're really hitting the nail on the head is as more authentic and unique as you can be. Mm -hmm. Please Mm -hmm. do not be like the people that are there. Yeah, we've got plenty of those. We need somebody different. And here's what what happens that's really interesting is you'll change them and encourage them to be unique as well. G- give you an example. We had a guy. You can only imagine how unique this is. But we had a guy who came to our bridge services. He had been locked up, and one of his favorite things while he was locked up was Dungeons and Dragons. Just loved, just. This as nerdy as you can imagine. This loved is. a quest. Yeah. Now here's the thing. He's like, yeah, you know, I don't know. Is there? Is there? Are there any Christians anywhere that would be into that? Where I could do that and also fellowship? Well, oh, friend. <laughs> you know, we have. Uh, you know, Pete Lawson from our staff has a D and D night and does that and this fellowship and it's all the thing and whatever. And there's elves. I don't know what it is, but. Sure. Uh, in the game, not there. Yeah, the game. well, yeah, who knows? But not the elf with the with the yellow hair that's poofy. Yeah, the swoosh. Yes, yeah, swo- oh, Jet hair. the Christmas elf plays D anD D. Oh, don't, don't get that. it twisted. I, I might even show up for that. Yeah, you know. Uh, but but just by him being unique and expressing his unique weirdness and his his being into something super super weird like D anD D, he discovered there was. Plenty of other weird people there who are glad to be weird with somebody else yeah. who's new. We had another guy uh, at our bridge services, just got out of jail. Uh, he was talking to one of our volunteers there, and he said, you know, uh, the volunteer says, well, what do you do for fun? He's like, well, you know, I don't know. And uh, the volunteer says, uh, well, what would you want to do that you've never done before? He says, you know what I always wanted to do that I never did before is go fishing. That's yep. just what I would love to do. He, his eyes light up. He says, I go fishing all the time. You have no idea how much joy it would give me to combine fishing with ministry. Name the day we go. This <laughs> is go. The, the, so what I'm saying is the volunteer is as excited, if not yeah. more, than the person who's there. But you have to express that unique desire, and you have to be yourself and say, I'm into a thing. Is anybody here into this? And that's how you get good fellowship going. As, as Matt points out, you don't get there by acting Christian. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I think you you do find it when you are active in your Christianity, where you are uh, instead of saying finding a way to serve, finding a way to participate. 
Um, and that's creating these kinds of opportunities. We need a fishing outing thing. Yeah. And so we're inviting people th from the neighborhood that aren't safe. They can come and they can go fishing. They get to know other Christian men and we can have fellowship. We're kind of talking about our lives and stuff. That's, you know, there's real ministry is now breaking out. So that, that difference between acting Christian and being active in your Christianity really um, changes the picture for everybody. Yeah, and I yeah. really want to encourage you on that. Jesus is my first mate. Ooh, oh, so that's nice. Point that out. Is, am I creating a hierarchy where I'm the guy in charge and Jesus is just there? Yep. Yeah. And uh, I think I'm going to get a lot of buy-in on that. Yep. Um, so these guys are getting a lot of good stuff. And Lee, let's, um, let's talk about the emotional landscape of this a little bit. Cause I think one of the things, sure. and I'm, I, I came to know Jesus a little later in life when I was in the late teens. So I think I can relate to a little bit to what someone, the, our friend in the question is not saying, but they might be implying, which is if I don't feel very Christian, how saved can I be? Right. Because there's a lot of emotions and wouldn't, if it worked, wouldn't I work it? So, uh, let's speak to the underlying reality of, the fact of being saved, how does that relate to not feeling like you fit in when you go to church? Yeah, a real quick story. I was talking to a guy when we were doing our uh, prison chapel a few months back and uh, was kind of given a message about what do you do when, when you just feel spiritually dry? you know, on the inside and everything. And we were kind of coming up with some, you know, just through this message, just kind of giving them some strategies, some different stuff to try. We got to the end of the chapel service and this one dude comes out to me and he is one of these things where, you know, he's got the tears in his eyes and this kind of thing happens in the chapel service from time to time. But he said, dude, I, I cannot tell you how free I've been set just by these concepts because I just met the Lord like three months ago, and I just thought everybody that's a Christian is just electric, just incandescent, just on fire the whole time. And that's the way I felt when I first met Jesus, and I was rolling like that. I mean, right here behind bars, I'm just going crazy. I'm going off. He said, and then I had a bad day. And man, nobody told me you have a bad day when you're a Christian. Okay. And he said, and I crashed. He started, he said, I started using again. He said, I just, I just lost it all completely. He said, I don't even know why I came to chapel today. And he said, I just wandered in here. And the idea that you as a Christian can have a bad day and it's okay. And he was like, oh man, everything's back on. And he said, and what's funny is now I feel all fired up again, you know? And, and so, and I was like, okay, but uh, listen, my man, you're going to have a bad day again. Okay. So let's talk about that one. And, and I, I tell you that story to say this, um, you cannot look around at the rest of the other Christians and figure out I've got to be like them or I'm not doing the Christian thing right. Because sometimes there are going to be people around you that are super fired up and they're super excited. And sometimes there's going to be people around you who are acting like they're super fired up and super excited. And both of those things can throw you off. Um, what we need to do is to get to a place where you, and, and I love everything that Jed and Glenn have said on this about, about serving, about using that unique you thing and, and, and finding your way forward on that. And the thing that I want to do is just take this as internal as possible and say, in, in the place inside your mind, what we want to start with is this. The Bible says, anybody that calls on the name of the Lord is saved, Amen. period, the end. If you've called on the name of the Lord Jesus, you are as Christian as it gets. 
It doesn't matter if you feel like you're not a very good Christian or if it seems like you're not a very good Christian. You are as saved as anybody in the history of the world has ever been saved in this moment and going forward into, in, into forever. That being said, knowing that that's the, that's the status and that's an unchangeable status, forget what other Christians are talking like or doing or acting like. Today, get to a quiet place and take your heart to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Just talk to him. Tell him what you're going through. Tell him what you're worried about. Tell him what you're happy about. Tell him what you're thankful for and tell him what you're afraid of. Talk about all those things as honestly and openly as you possibly can and take some time to listen. Um, ask him how he feels about you. Ask him to confirm his love for you. Um, and, and ask him at a certain point, what would it look like for me today to follow you? You start a relationship like that, not paying attention to what other people are doing or talking about or whatever, not trying to mimic them or have their energy or anything like that. Just your heart with zero filters in front of Jesus, telling him everything and taking some time to listen, you are going to find your way forward in ways that everybody else is going to be then looking at you and trying to figure out how can I do it like you're doing it. Um, and, and, and right alongside the stuff that, that Jed and Glenn are saying, uh, you know, your unique self and then finding a place to physically meet somebody's needs or serve or, or meet the church's needs or whatever, you're going to find your way through this in, in no time flat. Amen. Yeah, absolutely right. I would, I would echo what all these guys say. Uh, one thing I, I kind of try to point out a lot when I talk to people who are either on the new or feel like they don't really fit into this, is the, the point that Jesus is not looking to make you a different person. I think a lot of people you know, see the stuff in the Bible about being a new creation and all that and think Jesus wants to take someone who is busted and fully replace them with someone who is besweatered, as we would say, you know, uh, churchy and really enjoys it. As, as these guys are all pointing out, that's, that's not it. Jesus wants you because of your you-ness. Now, there are some, as we can all speak to on this podcast, there are some rough edges that are going to need to be sanded off. What? There's, right. some, uh, there's some things that are going to need to be dropped. But uh, as, as Glenn mentioned, we were having our, our Christmas party earlier, and I was talking to uh, the aforementioned Pete Lawson about how— um, Everyone in this organization likes, and I quote, a lot of weird crap. Mm -hmm. That could be Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons. That could be literally at one point, uh, Glenn is talking to someone about uh, building guitars while Jed is talking to another person about the finer points of recording cookie monster metal music. Yep. Pete and I are discussing the, the way that uh, Dungeons and Dragons informed a certain amount of his preaching. And it's one of those things of, yeah, none of us... Uh, None of us just got saved and then got normal. Welcome to the island of misfit toys. Yes. The thing, uh, this ties in actually to the church, church about church. You may look around and think, well, everybody here is pretty normal and I'm kind of a weirdo. Here's the good news. They're all weirdos. Yeah. 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 And that's right. I, I will speak as a, as a middle aged person. One of the joys about being, not being young anymore is you can just kind of be a weirdo. Yeah. If you're not hurting anybody, you can like whatever, uh, kind of silly thing you like and being a person in your thirties is just being able to say, yes, yes, I do like that. Yeah. Yes. You don't like it. That's fine. Yeah. And the more you tap that as, as all these guys point out, that's how you get to finding the people who do like that or someone who says, okay, well that sounds weird, but I, you have, you, you made me the church, you made me the church Supreme tortilla. 
So I'm willing to hear you out on why fish on fishing. I don't get it, but okay, let's hear hear this out. And you're going to be a lot happier in the long run. If you uh, accept the, the, your, your status on the Island of Misfit toys with the rest of us from the jump as the chasing some kind of mythical uh, normalness, which everybody who sets down that path of, I just want to play it straight down the middle and be around a bunch of people straight down the middle that never ends in happiness in a way that any of us have seen. So if you yeah. start off the on start off on the right, and by that I mean openly weird track, you're you're surprisingly going to get to acceptance a lot quicker than you'd think. All right, we move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously, and it ties actually into some of the stuff we were talking about. The first question it says, "My pastor recently explained the phenomenon of, and I quote, spiritual drift. Whatever, you'll get your turn. <laughs> Where Christians in the city float from church to church every two years." It seems to me that if someone wants to leave your church, that's a you problem, correct? Am, am I wrong? Is it because no. of some unresolved sin or millennial mentality? And Glenn, I don't know if you have any really thoughts on this subject, <laughs> but I'd love to go to you first. Well, here, here's the thing. I do hear both sides of this, which is kind of interesting. I, I Obviously, I work with pastors uh, throughout the week. And I that's hear, why you're tired. Yes. Uh, I hear a lot of chatter about how they feel about the trends in the church, how they feel about what's happening in their individual church. And uh, what's interesting is in this past year or so, we've massively increased our volunteer power at the bridge and and uh, in the women's facilities that we go into and, and at the jailhouse. And what that's done is given me a chance to hear more of the lay people side of that and in some cases, is there some daylight between those two accounts of events? Wow, is there? I mean, what, what's funny is you sort of understand what each side really is dealing with based on what the other side says. If you see what I'm saying, yeah, it's like you could get a more full picture. Yeah, you get a total picture of what's happening here. I wish I could say pastors come out of that looking good. They generally do. They yeah, they really. <laughs> Bless them, they don't. <laughs> they really don't. But you, you, there is a sympathy to their position of, you know, you feel like you're drowning, you feel like you don't know what to do here, you feel, you know, there, there's drift or whatever that is. Uh, but the, the, the challenge for pastors, the, the thing that I'm challenging them with is, um, y- y- is if you are feeding people, you have to believe this, if you are feeding people, they will come back. If you are feeding someone, there is no competition, period, the end. The, you can get in this mentality, and I, you can see how this would get in somebody's head and just just you know, bounce around and, and amplify. But if, if you have a church and somebody set, plants a church right across the street from you and puts up a bunch of billboards and spends hundreds of thousands of dollars on advertising and wants to do a mega church, whatever— yeah, that could get to you. You're like, man, they're stealing people from us. Here's the thing. If I'm not feeding you, you're on your way out. It just hasn't happened yet. If I'm feeding you, you're going to come back. Now, yes, to a certain extent, everybody has their taste. Or they, they like certain preaching styles or you know, they have a, a way that they like to see preaching done, for example. Or maybe they have young kids and they want to, have a good uh, high school group to put them into, these kinds of things. Uh, So there are other considerations to that, but if I'm feeding you, you're going to come back. Uh, It's important to recognize beyond that, I hear this from a lot of pastors, and I mean a lot. 
that they don't like this consumer mentality. Mm. And um, that's when I explained to them, Jesus uh, talked to Peter, and he says, okay, I want you to be my rock. I'm going to found my church on you. You're the rock I'm going to build on. Peter says, right on. I'm the perfect guy for the job. And Jesus says, okay, but do you love me? And Peter says, well, yeah. And Jesus says, well, you know what? If you love me, feed my sheep. How about that? Mm-hmm. And Peter says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Jesus asks him again, do you love me? Peter's like, uh, I just said yes. And Jesus says, yeah, but if you love me, here's what you got to do. You have to feed my sheep. Do you get that? Yeah. Well, okay, but do you really, really, really love me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's what I'm trying to tell you is if you love me, you need to <laughs> love feeding my sheep, and you need to go at that. Like, if you think you love me and sheep is not of interest to you, then you are not on it. You have There's something missing here. There's something broken. There's something going on here. If you're telling me you don't like a consumer mentality, like they just love getting fed as the sheep of the congregation, we have a real breakdown here. And I, as, as Matt was pointing out on the similar question on this, pastors do talk to each other. They get that echo chamber going, and the consumer mentality, blah, blah, blah. That's a, that's a phrase they picked up from other pastors. And it becomes an excuse of why things aren't going well. Loyalty is a two-way street. If I go to the, mm. to, to the mat for you and I, I help you out and I do things for you, then I can come to you as, as a, a member of a congregation and say, I need you to help me out with that. We, we do that. We, we have people that we help out, that we do things for, guys. We help them find jobs or whatever. And we say, okay, we want to we put another guy in this job, but he doesn't have a ride, and you've got a car, and he doesn't. So guess what's about to happen? You're going to drive this guy to work. Now, after he gets his first paycheck, he's going to give you a little bit of money for gas. So it's all good, and everybody, we're all going to win. We get in the car, we have a little bit of fellowship. Don't say no, because remember who gave you that job? It was yours truly, so I'm calling in my favor. It didn't. I didn't let it marinate for very long, but that's okay. You're going to just, you know, whatever. So there's that sense of you calling for loyalty when you haven't uh, served people and when you haven't fed them. That's just, it's not going to work. But if you do have that sense of, I need to be devoted to these people. I need to lift them up. I need to put them on my shoulders. They could reach higher. Yeah. When when you're in that position, you're going to get all the loyalty you could you could ask for. Marinating your favors is very important in this holiday season. Yeah, yeah. You really want to let the brine... <laughs> They'll get stale after a yeah, while. Yeah, absolutely. Know, you you know. want to let the brine into those favors and keep them flavorful. That's the main thing. And I, that's all uh, really excellent stuff that I'm going to talk about there. And Lee, let's look at this uh, millennial mentality aspect of this for a second. So I have a feeling that sure. we have a, a number of listeners who uh, who have heard a demonization of the millennial mentality as it comes to church. And you uh, work with a lot of young people, and a lot of young people who attend church pretty regularly. They seem fine with it. Yes. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. The, the, some of this that, that people are observing, it's there's a specific reason for it, and the reason is not wrong, and that is... People are looking for community. They're looking for the the phrase that they that the young people use is my people. Mm. These are my people. That's what they say. I have found my people. You know, they go hang out, they post the thing, uh, the picture of the thing where they're all having fellowship together, and they say, Love, you know, such and such restaurant with my people. That's what they're looking for. And there is nothing at all wrong with that. As we were stating in a previous 
uh, answer to, to one of the previous questions, this is fellowship. This is an important thing. In, in all my years of, of working with young people, specifically high school folks, middle school folks who become high school folks, who become college folks, who become young adults, um, who've become parents and all kinds of stuff, one thing that I have seen over and over and over again in people is, is that they love the feeling of being known. They love that feeling. They love the feeling of somebody knows me. You know, like as a pastor, if I make a little inside joke about this band that me and this one dude like, nobody else likes them or something like that, then that dude will give me the right kind of smile. We have a little handshake and stuff, and he's like, man, you know me. You get me. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for my life is hard. And I'm trying to walk through my life, and I want to walk through my life with some people who know me and get me. Now, what in the world is wrong with that? That's a good thing to long for. That's a healthy thing. And so if I'm looking at that phenomenon from the perspective of a pastor, one way to look at it is exactly as we said in a previous question, you can look at it through the lens of insecurity or through jealousy and say, well, these millennials, man, they're not committed to anything. They just don't have any sense of duty you know, or whatever. You can look at it that way, or you can say they have a healthy longing for community. They want to be known, and they want to walk through their life with their tribe. They want to make it through their ups and downs with people who get them and understand them and know them. That is not a bad thing. So let's be strategic. Let's pray, and let's work, and let's throw spaghetti against the wall and try everything to try to create a sense of community here, that this is a place where you can find your people, and we're going to help you to do that. We're going to help you connect with people who will walk with you, who will, who will pray for you, who will know you, and that's what they're looking for. You can kind of, you can berate this as some kind of millennial phenomenon, but it's just a human thing. We want our tribe. We want to have people who are going to stand beside us when we're having a hard time, who are going to understand us when we don't even understand ourselves. This is a good thing. So pastors, people in ministry, what we want to do is foster the kind of environment where tribes can break out and where people can know each other. It's a great point. I think Lee there was speaking of throwing spaghetti against the wall and the idea of brainstorming. But I, I think if you had a Sunday where it's like, no, we're literally going to throw some spaghetti, I think I would go to that church. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be fun. Be like kind of a... It's a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a mix-up from the, from the burrito thing. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like a mid-90s kind of Nickelodeon game show I like it. experience. I think, I think there's a lot there. <laughs> Just, you know, we're giving these ideas away for free. We don't, yeah. have, we don't have time to implement them, but if anybody yeah, yeah. out there wants to. If you quote a Bible verse wrong, you get slimed. It's a whole Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's the heresy slime. Yeah, that's right. That. Uh, and Jeff, I want you to close out here because I think uh, the, these these guys have both touched on it, but it's worth looking into. Um, we it's a phrase we hear a whole whole lot is the idea of consumer mentality. Yeah, yeah. And we hear that in a demonizing phrase. And here's the thing: I, I've never heard anyone who has like a thriving business, yeah, really poo poo a consumer mentality. Nope. I don't think the people who run the French Laundry think, you know what. A lot of these restaurant customers are just disloyal is the main thing. <laughs> so in, in the spirit of what we've been learning uh, here, as, as Liz and Tom is kind of about some behind the scenes church stuff, some culture stuff, what is the one, I think we, we can safely say we can just disphrase the, dismiss the idea that consumer mentality is bad out of yeah. hand, but what is it really, and what is it telling us about what's going on here that people use that so much? 
Well, so let's talk about restaurants for a second, because I think that actually is a, a good jumping off point. Every good restaurant that I've ever been to, they have two menus. They got their main menu. It's all the classic stuff that they're known for, and they, they consider to be kind of the, the main thing they do. And they got a much shorter menu, and it's the specials. These are new things that we're doing just for tonight or just for this weekend or just for this week that we think are new and cool and neat and they're worth checking out. It's the soup du jour. Exactly. What's that? Soup of the day. Oh, that sounds delicious. I'll have that. (laughs) 25-year-old movie references, but we still love them. All right. So here's the thing. They have the specials menu, not because they think there's something wrong with the main (laughs) menu. It's not an issue of the main menu sucks, but they won't let us change it. That's not it. <laughs> they have the specials because everybody likes a little change from time to time. Everybody likes a little something new. It's, it's not that, you know, I built this library of recipes that are ironclad, but now I loathe them. It's just, I like a little change. Not everything. Yeah. It's not that this is a steakhouse and the specials menu is all Argentinian cuisine. Right. It's on brand. It's just a little different. It's a little different. Everybody loves things that are a little bit different. That's a basic human need, right? Is a bit of novelty, a bit of newness in life. Here's something that goes on a lot in Christian culture, in Christian circles, certainly in churches, is trying to find the sinful impulse in just basic human stuff. Mm. that's not a good errand to go on people like a basic degree of newness from time to time a basic degree of novelty that's part of what it is to be human christians are determined to find a way that that's bad jed is that not the (laughs) impulse that sent adam and eve searching for a new kind of fruit (laughs) they already had fruit why do they need new fruit it's it's not the same impulse oh okay It's perfectly lovely. So here's what we need to do. We need to embrace that our desires are not inherently bad. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. killing us all. We have got to move away from that. Holy, I mean, my goodness. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's the implementation where things can definitely go wrong. Exactly right. Exactly right. I think here, just as some open-ended questions, what if people just wanted something new and novel in their lives? They're, They're not looking to give up on their church. They're not looking to give up on their faith. They just like a specials menu. That's that's it. What if their current church, rather than resenting that desire or belittling that desire or demonizing that desire, helped to meet that desire? Oh. What if we had a culture where we could talk to the pastor or the small group leader or the Sunday school teacher, and that church embraced the idea of ongoing newness? As I don't know, Jed. That sounds an awful lot like serving people. It really does, which is good. <laughs> I've never heard of that. I mean— here, here's the thing, is we actually know churches that do this. I'm thinking of one in particular. I bet you can guess which one it is. Yeah, for sure. And people love that, man. People, people love that. Here's one thing that I think does mess with the brains of people that are in ministry leadership, is they have a belief, you know what, if I got good enough, I could lock it down and never change anything because I'd have it be just right. And I would just always do that that way from now on forever and never change anything. I'm going to open a movie theater that only plays the Godfather. (laughs) It's going to be great. Godfather is a good movie. People love it. It's the best movie. We will only play that movie. I mean, it sounds funny when you say it out loud, but there's a lot of people in ministry where subconsciously that's what they want to do. They want to get this perfectly lined out and then never change anything. And there's two problems with that. First is that's a terrible goal. 
It won't work and you shouldn't shoot for it. Second is nobody else wants that. Even if you do and you don't, but even if you do, nobody that's going <laughs> to attend this thing wants that, man. People want newness. They want a sense of growth. They want a sense of novelty. As a part of serving them, help them have that. Help them realize that. It's not a knock on you in the same way it's not a knock on the main menu at the fancy restaurant. Everybody loves the specials. Everybody loves a little change. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. It definitely is. And I will, as a, as a way of an illustration, I will speak not about the church, but about our bridge service, which uh, changes a fair amount. Uh, we've had people who, uh, you know, sometimes we, we uh, bring in pastors or host teams often on like a quarterly basis or monthly basis, but sometimes somebody will get busy or, you know, pastor will buy the Sunday night or the hosting will be for a while. So maybe a year, year and a half between people coming. And there's often a, a bewilderment of like, you guys, this is like way different. Like the order of service is different. There's new segments. There, the, we, there are less songs. There's a different thing. And that's because we're trying to keep up with the people in the room. Their, their needs are changing. So, we have to change, like like Lee's saying. You gotta you gotta mirror that. You you can't. You know, uh, we three years ago there were uh, pretty much no women coming to the bridge. We didn't partner with any women's programs. Um, it's a it's a aftercare prison ministry. There's just uh, by the numbers a lot more men locked up in Chicago than there are women. So it was a largely men's program. Uh, our ladies who uh, uh, Glenn and Jed's wife and Tasha, uh, Miss Tasha, and some of our amazing volunteers have done an incredible job uh, forging. Uh, partnerships with women's drug treatment facilities and aftercare facilities. So now we have a lot more ladies to bridge. It would not be good to say, hey, sports metaphors worked three years ago and it's a good sports metaphor. I mean, you got to understand right. some of the intricacies of Pakistani cricket. Right. But if you do, if once you I explain do. that, <laughs> yeah, you're going to love this metaphor. It's a, there's a wicket in everything. Yeah. Or it's, uh, this is actually, you wouldn't think of this, but sometimes when you do uh, prison ministry stuff, uh, you can actually talk a lot of Bible. Yeah. People who are locked up and are on the Jesus thing, they have a lot of time to read the Bible. Yeah. They don't always really get the main message. Sometimes there's a little bit of getting lost in the weeds, but they know chapter and verse references better than I do at this point. Mm -hmm. I, I'm much more likely to chapel service to ask the room. Just mm -hmm. wait. I, the thing about this, where is that? And somebody will know. Mm -hmm. Uh, so sometimes at the bridge, we'll go through seasons where it's really that you can get biblical. Yeah, it's, you, sometimes you can hear them finishing the Bible verses mm -hmm. that people refer to. Yeah. You know. And then sometimes we'll go through a time where we'll have a lot of people who are not so unchurched that they've never actually been in a church outside of a wedding or funeral. And you got to go back to like the new Testament is the second half of the Bible right. that Jesus is in. Yeah. It's not that one <laughs> of those is better than the other, just from a pure what is good standpoint, it's you're reacting to what's going on in the room. And as Jed's saying, there should be a certain amount of change in that going on. I think uh, part of what you may uh, pick up with some churches, some ministries, is just the idea that we don't want to have to change to keep you here. That, uh, unlike, you know, we were talking about in the, in the first question of the idea of we want partnership, membership, isn't necessarily a problem. You change, we don't change. That's a mentality that is well on its way to a problem. Um, so again, you're going to have to do the same thing like you're talking about the first question. It's, it's worth asking some questions. It's worth interrogating. Where did that come from? What do you mean by that? What, what do you, what do you, it sounds like you just think 
no one should ever change a church. What in your mind are some good reasons for switching a church? And all great conversations worth asking. And again, if you want some questions on that, feel free to email us in. Or if you have a question, you can email us, say that podcast at gmail.com or write in to the bridgechicago.tumblr.com if you want to ask an anonymous question. Those links, as of a month ago, three years in, seven years into doing this podcast, are in the episode description, along with a link to the YouTube video, a Say That Claymation Christmas Emergency. That's awesome. And we're going to tell the song this week. We're going to go to a classic from The Bridge. This is Jed leading the men with The Bridge in a song called Bigger Than My Fears. Say that. Thanks yeah. for listening. Just remember, we love you. God bless you. There's nothing you can do about it. Say that podcast, popular enough to form a cult, but humble enough to be committed to nacho cheese. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm here and I'm laying down All the things I'm afraid of here and now Cause I'm tired and I need you to take this off of me Whoa!